We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow the Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested podcast. We are live, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Sunday night, 9 p.m. live stream as always. So if you're joining us in the stream, what's up? Welcome. Hop in that chat. We, uh, we have a spot here in a bit where we will answer all of your questions, read all your trash talk. It's uh, it's arguably my favorite part of the podcast. If you listen to the podcast version of this, we appreciate you as well. If you're on the live stream, you can see that Nick is in his uh, finely furnished library. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very high quality. So we have Nick on the pod. What's up, Nick? Hey guys, how's it going? I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what to do with my hands. This is my first my first ever podcast in four years where I'm not holding a microphone, and so Kami and our Kami and I are uh, are talking back and forth on what I should do with my hands. He was doing just fine until Kami said something in our chat, and then I saw him. I just noticed this man like had his hand like like the thinker under his chin, and he like migrated up. Whenever more. whenever you're cheating on a test. And your and your teacher catches you, and you're like deep thinking, like you weren't looking <laughs> off the guy next yeah. to you. One hundred percent. That's me. Uh, we've got Calmiar on the pod. Hey man, well all this time trying to get Nick's uh, audio set up, let me drink, all, eat all my grapes. So that's a positive. We've also got Taylor Peterson along for the ride. 
Man, it was a uh, it was a pretty fun day watching or really weekend watching sports and just seeing fans in the arena just made me really happy. And then I'm I'm a golf guy. I know it's very wide of me, but I love golf and I enjoy watching golf. And uh, seeing just the huge crowd following Phil today was really cool. Also, it's just awesome to have spectators back in sports. Phil Vidal, very good. We uh, we do not have Justin tonight. It is his son's fifth birthday. Is it number Celebration. five? Celebration. Yeah, I think birthday yeah. was like last weekend and yeah. then, uh, in uh, Lazarus Town. Justin <laughs> tried to get him Pokemon cards and got shot in a Target parking lot. So uh, <laughs> rip Justin. It's his son's 50th birthday. Uh, no, his son is super into Pokemon. And I was like, oh, Justin, you can't go get those Pokemon cards. You'll get beat up. So, uh, but, and then I'm your host, Jacob Niffin. We are, uh, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We... For the first time, gentlemen, are not breaking down a Thunder game or Thunder games. Uh, this season is over. The stress is done. The tank has officially ran out of gas. It is now parked. Feels kind of good. Like the only thing we've watched for the past week now is high quality basketball. It's nice, man. I don't have to worry about uh, you know if the thunder are going to lose by 20 or 40 and if they'll actually worry about if they'll actually be winning anymore. So I can just focus on the draft and look at all the mock drafts that come out every single day. So that's fun. You know, what's kind of funny? I was thinking like just watching some of these games this weekend and like, there's a part of me, honestly, like the biggest part of me misses the thunder not being in there a lot, but at the same time, like even last season when there was like low expectations, um, just, the stress of those Thunder teams in the playoffs. It's really nice in a way, just kind of being a spectator and getting oh, to yeah. just enjoy the, the quality of basketball that's being displayed. You just um, don't have to give a crap, man. Right, you just enjoy right. it. And you just enjoy it. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. Don't get, I mean, I, there's a, the biggest part of me really wants the Thunder to, to, to be in the playoffs and, and that'll come again someday. But um, there is a part of me that's just kind of enjoying not stressing and just watching fun basketball. How much longer do you think, if we had to give it an over-under before Thunder fans start jumping ship on the idea of rebuilding? I think it's super easy in year one to say like, oh, it's just one down year and then we're going to be good again. Mm-hmm. What's the over-under on? I don't think it'll ever get to that point because Sam will uh, rebuild correctly. But how many years before you think Thunder fans are like, yeah, we're sick of this. We don't want to be the Kings. Negative two months. Yeah, <laughs> I was well, going to say we, we like... did see it late in the season, but like mm. I'm talking more holistically, like where Thunder Twitter is like a wasteland. Uh, maybe Matt, another year. I'll say another year. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I think two is the over under there, just because if we get to the point next season where we aren't, you can kind of tell that there's like things that the Thunder organization is doing, like the Thunder are in contention to push for the play in, maybe but you see some players starting to sit a little more towards the end of the season. And it's not like hardcore tanking where you're trying to get like a top five pick again. Sure. But you want to be in that decent lottery range. Um, I could see some, some fans starting to turn. Reason yeah. I ask if uh, Oklahoma city ends up with a pick seven and 18, I think yeah. they start hitting the fan a little early. Agreed. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely fair and interesting. And I, I think that's why the draft lottery is, Probably the most important date on the calendar for the Thunder, uh, obviously. Sam Presti talked a lot about that, though, right? You you mm-hmm. can't stress about what you can't control. You can't control where the ping pong balls land. You can only control what you do once you uh, 
once you get those results. So that will be very interesting to, to see what happens there. But I don't know. I, regardless of what pick they get this year, I have a hard time seeing them not push for the play in next year. I think they would have been in the play in this year had it had everyone stayed healthy, uh, and had the priority been to get to the play in, uh, this could be a conversation for a whole another podcast, but the Thunder lose their first round pick next year if it's not a lottery pick. Uh, that pick actually belongs to the Atlanta Hawks as part of the Carmelo Anthony trade. Ooh! So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how that all kind of shakes out next year. But guys, before we look forward, let's take a glance in that rearview mirror real quick. I wanted tonight for us to look back at the Thunder season that just passed and decide what are the things that we learned about the Thunder from this past year. So heading into tonight, we had talked about this a little bit. Each of us came up with a couple of ideas. I figured we could just go around. Uh, each of us will throw out an idea of what we learned from the Thunder this season. Uh, we can agree, disagree, debate each one a little bit, and then move on to the next one. Uh, so Nick, let's let's just get the ball rolling right here with you. What is something that you learned about the Thunder from this past season? Learned that fit is everything. You have several guys. I'm most thinking of Kenrich Williams, who coming into the season was quite frankly a nobody around the league. I think most Thunder fans thought he was a guy that would play out his one guaranteed season and be cut since he's non-guaranteed in year two and three. And finding the perfect situation like completely expedited his numbers. And I think that can go positive or negative, depending on the player, depending on the situation. Um and we've seen it some in the past, like Chris Paul kind of revitalized his career in Orleans Noel. There's, there's all those names we've talked about on, on previous pods and past years, but this was a year that really stood out as like the old saying, like it's got to be right player, right place, right time. I think that that was very, very true this season for a handful of players. I like that a lot, you know, and I think Nick, I would maybe argue a little bit that that's, so right player, right place, right time. You create the right place, right time by building your culture the right way. Right. It, it's like, uh, what is that? That people say that, that luck is just being prepared when the, when the right opportunity arises. And I feel like that kind of applies here as well. It's, it's not luck that Kenrich Williams turned out to be a good player. It's not luck that Isaiah Roby uh, progressed. It's not luck that Lou Dort went from undrafted to, you know, starting in the NBA and defending the best players on every team. Uh, I think a lot of that is those guys' mental makeup and and collected with the Thunder's culture and and ideal ideals of of growth and development, right? And and think about this too, another name that I thought about is is Teo. If Oklahoma City ends up not making the Al Horford trade and he gets picked 34, hypothetically, you know, if the Sixers ended up doing the same pick he probably doesn't see the floor very much at all. If any, this mm-hmm. season, you don't, you probably don't know his name. You probably think, you know, we, we, we look at him as a second round steal. You look at the numbers. I mean, he led the thunder in so many categories, mainly because he played the most minutes on the team this season. Um, but yeah, he, he goes to a different situation and his whole career may take a different trajectory. I learned that confidence is absolutely everything to every NBA player ever. And it's not linear. It's uh, peaks and valleys. Like you would see Pope uh, Poku just have unbelievable play just with the amount of confidence, especially late in the season, like hell 
Boston in the very last game of the season, huge. And but then there were the other times you'd see me be kind of hesitant. And same thing with with Teo. I really like it when Teo is just taking it to the bricks and just ready to go like full throttle ahead. But there are times where he's really, really hesitant, or maybe that's just a style of play he has. I can't really tell from him, but notably confidence is everything. You see Mike Muscala loving OKC and he's got the confidence just to fire away like nine, three balls a game. And so I think that really changed his mindset for basketball too. So I'm really excited to see the steps they take physically next year, but with the gains they've made in their confidence from this year. I like both of those. Um, and when both of you, Nick and Kamiya, were talking, I was looking for a specific quote um, from Presti's, I guess, end of season exit interview that he had. Um, and he mentioned, he, he, he kind of hinted at this. You know, um, he was asked about the qualities that he was looking for in prospects coming up. And he said he's looking uh, and, and for draft prospects. And he mentions that the stage at the Thunder and they aren't really looking for basketball fit rather than fit within the organization. Um, and I think that just kind of goes to what Jacob was saying about building that culture first and uh, finding guys that are going to fit into that culture. He mentioned um, when I was listening back on it, he spent a lot of time, you know, that was just a, a specific quote, but he spent a lot of time talking about like bringing these guys in, seeing how they fit within the organization, uh, learning more about their character, even <laughs> before um, just, you know, drafting them based off the research they've done, the homework that they've done scouting. Um, so I think that is really important and it maybe kind of relates to some of the things that we've seen um, in, in terms of like Presley kind of changing the kind of prospects he's bringing into the team. You know, we've always talked about the Presley mold, long athlete, athlete who can't really shoot kind of transitioning now um, to a more versatile do it all kind of player, almost positionless basketball. Um, but a lot of that has to do with character as well. So I, I think it's a good point that both of you bring up. Definitely. Um, another thing on that one, Kamiya, on, on the confidence, I think back to what Presti said about Shea Gilgis Alexander <laughs> and how uh, he's a super confident and super optimistic kind of guy who brings up uh, the rest of the guys on the team and gives them confidence. Nick, you were uh, listening in on exit interviews as they were happening, uh, including Presti's uh what what are your thoughts on on that idea of confidence and specifically Shea's leadership and and getting other guys up and ready to go and and ready to play and feeling confident in themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a a big thing. We've seen it work negatively with guys like Terrence Ferguson, who yeah, I mean, you lose your confidence and you're just no longer a player in the league. Like he's still out of the league. Um, you know, Presti. I mean, that's it's one of the things he does talk about is with, with several guys the leadership in the locker room off the floor all that kind of stuff um because we can see the bench and the sidelines during games obviously shay is a huge motivator he's like the biggest cheerleader of all the guys on the team um but presty indicated that even outside of that there's a lot of stuff he does in the locker room same with kenrich williams you know dagnalt's mentioned he's one of the most respected players um and it's hard to be a leader without confidence i think it's kind of twofold confidence on the floor and then confidence off the floor to um, be that leader and, and stand up and say the things that need to be said for, for things to get done. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. Come here. The, the idea of confidence, hopefully they all come back very confident. Uh, I think that's probably one of the anti tanker uh, arguments is, Oh, they won't have confidence because they got their ass beat by 30 points every game <laughs> to end the season, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how, 
how the team comes back and how they respond with that. Taylor, what's one thing that you learned? Well, really quick, Silver in the in the chat mentioned Poku in terms of confidence, and that made me think of yet another quote from exit interviews, which was Al Horford talking about the first time he saw Poku was during a preseason practice or whatever. Poku's like hoisting half court like logo threes, just with like one hundred percent seriousness and confidence. <laughs> now Horford was like, "Yeah, this kid, uh, I like him." Oh, he said <laughs> at first he thought, "What the hell is this kid doing?" <laughs> God, I love Poku. Oh, the best, the best. Um, I actually have a Poku one, but the there's one that I have here that I think uh, I'll save because I'm, I, I was fearing one of you all will bring it up. The one I kind of wanted to dive in depth into, I have that Dort uh, will be a top-tier starter, or I say will be, is a top-tier starter in this league, maybe even a borderline all-star when the Thunder are back in contention. Um, so... Just kind of when we talked about this, we were trying to decide if we went to spend tonight talking about like the favorite highlights of the season, the favorite moments from the season, or if we wanted to talk about some themes that we learned. Um, so I kind of like use this one to do a little bit of both going back some of the stats that I saved throughout the season, specifically for Lou. He was a sixth player in OKC history to score 40 plus in a game. KD was the only other OKC player to score more points before turning 22. So that's Russ, KD, Harden, um, Shay, and I think there was one other, um, youngest player in franchise history with 40 points plus four steals. Only this is the fun one. The fifth undrafted player in the last 30 years to score 40 plus points. Um, the seventh OKC player to score 20 or more in a quarter. And all these were back-to-back games for the season. He averaged 14 points per game compared to 6.9. He had a better field goal efficiency rating. Um, his three, three point percent, uh, his three, three point percent average, Went up quite a bit. <laughs> um, and then I, I thought that, again, I, another comment from Presti in his extra interview I thought was really um, kind of interesting. He talked about how Lou went from guarding the team's best player. And this was when he was asked about Shea being out. But how Lou went from guarding the team's best player to being guarded by the other team's best defender. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said about that. Lou's confidence on both ends of the floor and him being able to take that leap on the offensive end while still guarding the other team's best player, I think is really important. So Lou Dort's growth, I think is a little bit underrated this season. Um, and, and I think when we're looking at the Thunder, you know, making their quote unquote arrival into the playoffs again, I think Lou Dort's going to have a very big role in that. I've got a, a question for you, Taylor. I wonder if you agree or disagree. I just put out a story on this and I, I, I think you'll agree. Um, taking all the things into consideration that you normally would for your standard league MVP. So you got to play a lot of games. You got to perform well on both ends. You got to impact winning. Lou Dort had to have been the Thunder's MVP this year across the board. That's you agree? Interesting. I think I, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think obviously Shea, Shea and Al were better when they were on the floor, but they only played more I think, like well, 35 and 25 games respectively. Like, when you right. look at the body of work and the overall think, impact on the team, I think that's the most important thing here. The biggest factor. And like you said, when you take into consideration, the games played, the amount of games played, and then also the, um, the effect he had on both ends of the floor, the impact he had on both ends of the floor for the thunder. I think that's a fair statement. People aren't, aren't going to like that. You know, obviously I love Shea and his offensive leap was just ginormous. Um, like for example, I was thinking, and this is going to take us completely off topic, but you know, like watching John Morant doing what he's doing, even Devin Booker. Like, I think if Shea's on that stage this season, people are talking about Shea like they are Jaw, like maybe even they are Book. 
But all of that to say, if we're talking about overall impact for this specific season, I think it's fair to say Lou is probably the Thunder's quote-unquote MVP. I like it. Good, good stuff. Well, uh, if you're on the live stream, we have unfortunately lost Kamiar for the we time We lost being. to Kamiar. <laughs> uh, some technical difficulties on his end, so hopefully we will get him back very soon. All right, my thing, first thing that I learned from this season is that the Thunder already have one of the fundamental building blocks for a rebuild. They already have star A in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That was the one I skipped over because I knew one of you guys is going (laughs) to. I know, uh, you know, there's probably that's to some people going to be a a little controversial. Um, I mean, when I think back to November and December when we were recording podcast, guys, it feels like a completely different world back then, uh, both basketball and non-basketball. But when I think back to that time, I think about how we said a lot that Shea is probably a Robin to somebody's Batman uh, Shea is a secondary creator, um, a guy that can spot up and and really fill any position you need. And I feel like this season really changed that narrative to where now we look at Shea less about, oh, he's definitely somebody's Robin. Uh, he still needs a Batman. Um, he, I, I think he can be on even footing with some of the best players in the league. I think it's Shea, more like the Avengers, right? Like we always talk about yeah. Batman and Robin. Yeah. It's more like the Avengers, like in this day and all, age. All in the kinda, NBA. Yeah. All kind of have like even responsibility. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, my way too early next season prediction is Shea Gilgis Alexander is on the all-star team. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that not like, Oh, this is a good, uh, a good kind of role player to have. Like, I think Shea is going to be, a like a perennial all-star kind of guy who can help your team make deep playoff runs and and maybe eventually win a title i agree with that um some of the most wild stats again just like going through old stats that i have said throughout the season you know we talk about uh, jacob you mentioned this on one of our previous podcasts over the past week about uh shay's um unassisted three-point attempts that he's been taking that's one example the other example I think of that growth is his drives. So since the 2013-14 season, when NBA advanced stats began tracking drives, only two other games saw players topping 40 drives in a single game. In fact, there have been only 15 instances of a player driving 30 times or more in a game this season. Shea alone accounted for nine of those games. Yep. And granted, this was back like late, late February. Um, the guy lives in the paint, like man. A couple more games after that, but it's just absolutely wild. Um, and I mean, there's... I'm trying to remember where I got this. Oh, 538. That was the article that put the, that was the site that put this out. Um, there's a lot of other really fun stats in, in terms of his, his drives per games. Um, you know, we already have talked about previous, like I said, his, his three point attempts his unassisted um, scoring. I mean, it's just, it really is pretty incredible. I think you can continue to surround him around elite talent, um, even just spraying the floor, like guys like Poku and continue to draft and bring in prospects like that who can spread the floor for Shea. Um, I just, I can't wait to see the next gro- the, the next leap that he takes, um, whether that be next season, the season after he just continues to improve each and every stage of, of his career. And Definitely. Um, it's going to be really fun to, tra- to from, track from his first season in OKC to this season, his points per game jumped by nearly five, uh, his assists nearly doubled, um, his rebounds went down, uh, about one rebound a game. But his, his free throw percentage stayed static, even though he shot one and a half more free throws a game. Um, you look at his overall field goal percent, it jumped by 3%. Uh, 
his three point percentage jumped by seven percent on one and a half more threes attempted a game as three point percentage 42 percent on five attempts a game and like taylor mentioned almost all of those unassisted uh two point percentage 55 percent uh just an elite finisher at the rim the the leap this kid made uh i think is is significant and and taylor kind of hit the nail on the head there what does he look like when he's sharing the court with guys that also have star potential and no offense to these guys, but not with Moses Brown and Isaiah Roby and Teo and a first year, 19 year old Teo Maladon, right? What does he look like when he has a top five pick next to him, when he has uh, a veteran knockdown shooter next to him? Uh, those assist numbers only go up. His drives to the paint only become more impactful. Uh, I think we're, we're seeing a rise from a kid uh, who has no plans in slowing down. I, I expect next year for Shea to be, be better than he was this year. Was it Brett who did the article on The Athletic? I think it was Brett Dawson uh, when he was writing for the, the Thunderbeat for The Athletic, when he was talking um, about the different leaps that Shea's made each year, um, not even just through his NBA career, but just his his basketball career in general. Yeah. Like from college and high school. High yeah. school to college from, right, yeah, college. Presti, or prep Presti school. talked about that too. In the last exit, he said that every time Shea gets a little bit of time off, um, makes some sort of huge leap, whether that's the bubble or off seasons or between, you know, college to pro, whatever it might be. And that's something that they said that they have noticed about him almost more than anything. What Nick, what do you think this off season, if, if Shea could go into the lab and work on one thing and come back next season, uh, significantly better in one area of his game, what do you think that area needs to be to really vault him up into the upper echelons of stardom? Perimeter defense. If he can become a defender, mm, that's, that's a good one. I don't know if you can be Lou Dort level because there's not a lot of guys in the league that are Lou Dort level, but if he can become a really, really, really good defender, um, I mean, shoot, you, you've got to solidify him as an all-star because he's doing things on both ends of the floor. His, he's got all the tools. Right, he really does. Just OKC chatter in the chat <laughs> says Shea in the lab working more than Walter White. I love it. Um, call me R. Welcome back. Hey, back from the abyss. That's me. <laughs> uh, Nick, next up, what is another thing that you learned from the Thunder season this year? Um, so I learned this from the Thunder, but it's also more league wide, and it's that the big man is back. Like we've we've seen the the top two MVP candidates this year be big men. Um, there's been a bunch of big men around the league impacting games. You know, Rudy Gobert is awesome. We see DeAndre Ayton today. We see Ayton today. We see Jonas Valanciunas kind of solidify the Memphis Grizzlies into the in the play in tournament with some outstanding performances. Like I think coming into last season, I was out on on a big man. I'm like, you know, you can just have a guy that plays small ball five and then a solid backup. <laughs> After seeing some of these teams have success with bigs, um, I think you guys all know I'm on record last season talking about and, and Jacob as well. I wasn't I wasn't as Debbie Downer as him on on drafting a big man in the top three when it came to James Wiseman. But I think that after this season, I am much more excited for the possibility of Evan Mobley in OKC than not I was that, th- than I would have been this time last year, especially considering Moses Brown's not starting ca- caliber. 
Um, Tony Bradley's not starting caliber and may not be on the team. Mike Muscala's contracts out. Al Horford is going to be traded like this. Getting a big man is going to be absolutely crucial for Oklahoma city to make that jump back into, like we talked about getting into a play in tournament next season. Like if they don't have a true big, like they're not going to be able to. Interesting. So this season has changed your tune on, let's say that on lottery night, cross our fingers, the thunder, get announced having the number two pick. Are you team Evan Mobley? 100%. There's no other option. I like it. I like it. I bet Comier has something to say about that. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting that the shift back to big men that we have seen after uh, the pendulum swung so far the other way, you know, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where that eventually lands is, is this a flash in the pan? Or is this a swing back in the other direction where we're going to see more? Now, I think there are different types of big men, right? I think it's more playmaking, uh, versatile, uh, rim protecting, can shoot threes type of big men. But it's still an interesting uh, an interesting theme, nonetheless. I like it. Kamiar, what's something else that you've learned from the Thunder this season? I've learned that... Their play style under Coach Dignall is relatively the same, whether or not who is on or off the floor in that sort of familiarity with the system really, really helps the bench unit, uh, particularly against, you know, like you saw several times throughout the year when the bench would spark these comebacks and their wins that now we now regret for draft picks, but that they still play the same. So Taylor Maladon can go play with, go play with Shea, but also go play with dudes like Lou and Hami at some time. And now with uh, OSV at other times and still have a relatively decent impact on the entire game because they're not going one offense with like Russ, which is a pick and roll to something completely different when the uh, second lineup is on the floor. So actually it, that's super similar to mine. Um, that's kind of like one bullet point of mine. I Mark Daydon's a perfect coach for the rebuild. Um, and one of the bullet points I had here was that the, sh- the schemes and player relationships, kind of to your point, Kamiar, it didn't really matter who was on the floor. Um, the Thunder players were going to play almost the same exact way. Um, you know, you had guys like, you know, Svi Mihailu bringing the ball up when he's grabbing a rebound, uh, kind of similar to Baisley and the starting five. Obviously, Poku, we kind of saw his development there as well. And one thing I did not continuously uh, preached about and, and talked about, and Presley kind of hinted at this as well throughout the season, was um, positionless basketball and having guys who can who can bring the ball down the floor and push the ball in transition and play at a fast pace, um, can shoot from outside, open up the floor for guys like Shea, like even like Lou. Um, and, and so that, that's something I had as well. Something else. Hey, Taylor, not, yep. can, we, can we pause real quick? Yep. I find the, the wording interesting. I don't know if it was on purpose or on accident. You said Dagnall's the perfect coach for the rebuild. <laughs> yeah, no, that was intentional. Okay. So what you, are your you, thoughts on him long term? No, I, that's right. I, I like him. I like him. No long-term. more than five years. That's right. <laughs> that's right, Nick. You guys got a presidential it. term. I mean, huh? at that point you just do what everybody else does and bring in Doc Rivers. Um <laughs> Get out of here. I'm, I'm here for Mark Jackson. I don't know about you, guys. God. Mark Jackson. God, Mark Jackson Ugh. on the Suns call today pissed me off, man. Jeff Gundy. I called him Mark Jackass. That's his new <laughs> name to me. Um, call, call uh, me. I, I'm interested in this now. Uh, so you mentioned that you know Dagnall has a system in place that is consistent regardless who is on the floor. 
what if they bring in a a guy in the draft or in a trade or whatever uh, whose style of play kind of goes against the type of system Dagnall is running? Are you more in favor of fitting the player to the system, fitting the system to the player, or what's what's the blend look like? Say you go and you get, I don't know, Jalen Green, and he ends up being like a elite like Jason Tatum, Kobe uh-huh. Bryant esque, like ISO score type of guy. Do you change the way that that the system is run for a guy like that, or do you try to try to make him fit in within that system? I mean, it's a pick and roll system. It gives you a lot of freedom for the roll guy, or you just like taking the ball back and going ISO anyway. It's not like they're running the triangle where it's like you have all kinds <laughs> of guys running off the ball. This is like. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a system, but it's not really too much. You're just getting into pick and rolls constantly over and over and over. Um, of course, you're going to have some moments where Shea, at the end of games, like we saw him, I think, with the Grizz earlier this year, just go ISO and take whatever he wants in the mid-range. Um, I think that's the benefit of having stars, that you can abandon the system and then uh, play ISO if you need to. So I don't – I mean, of course, yes, they'll, they'll they'll draft a player that I think is the best, and they'll have that player hopefully fit into the system, but – at crucial moments, you'll have a LeBron's, you know, a half court Steph, half court three, stuff like that. All that that comes natural with star power. Presley had a quote similar to that in his exit interview, and if you can probably speak to it, probably remember a little better than I do. Um, but basically, talking about like when you're drafting that high, and obviously trying to move up into the draft, but when you're drafting that high, it's more so about just the best overall talent, and it's something we've talked a lot about on our podcast, rather than um, than drafting for fit with the team. I mean, fit within the organization is important, like we talked about here a little earlier, but more so just if you have Jalen Green on the board, you're not going to take like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of who Scotty are we talking Barnes. about? Scotty yeah, Barnes. yeah, Scotty Barnes, right, exactly, uh, when, when Green's on the board. Um, so I think that's important. Also, something else that – Well, uh, we say that. He took Josh Hustis and Mitch McGarry. True, true. That's a good point. Hey, Mitch McGarry, listen – <laughs> he was good. He was going to be a legit, at least a legit role player in the NBA for at least the next five, six years of his career. But he got high too many times. Now, is that the biggest <laughs> miss for Presty on the Thunder culture? Is that the biggest whiff? No, because I think there's probably a lot of guys that get high and just don't get caught. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, Mitch, Mitch McGarry was like a different KD, level, for though, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if this has ever been confirmed, but you remember there was like rumors that he was like, had to go to fat camp. You guys remember that? Because <laughs> no. he got too damn fat during the season. <laughs> I, I just don't like know. To, I just like to think that. You're just starting rumors now, bro. Clutch yeah, points I know, is right? on you. That's right. Hey, if Clutch Points <laughs> hey. listens to this podcast and wants to give me a shout out, I'm all for <laughs> we'll it. Take I, think, I just think Mitch McGarry was an all right selection to con- considering like what the time frame of the team was here comes and, josh hustis's take and then then you have josh <laughs> hustis right and it's like wh- why you draft this guy in the first round when you know you can get him undrafted some untalented guy from stanford like he's tall and athletic and has tiny shorts but that was about it i didn't i didn't understand <laughs> it nobody understood it <laughs> very smart thought, guy and then like you thought at the last second was it russ's mvp season or the season after or whatever it was like oh that might be the three and d guy because he had a good night but it was like few and far in between it was the, it was the paul george um the paul george season wasn't it because okay. that was the year that he guarded Giannis, and Giannis oh yeah stepped he out of that bounds. Bounds. is yeah. that right i think that's the same game 
but it's just like Josh is a don't get me wrong, his interviews were great and he was like super intelligent, but as a basketball player, not so much. Just that was the same levels. year that in preseason Josh Hustis had like that game winning block. He like beat that dude shot into the stands. Uh-huh. Yeah, shot that game winner. Could there be any two polar opposite guys in the league that you could draft back to back than Mitch McGarry and, and Josh, Josh Hustis? No crap. In we'll his talk- defense, like Mitch McGarry's trajectory, hypothetically, like as a player, should have been similar to like a Sabonis. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of player he was supposed to be in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the player type, except Sabonis came out a little bit earlier. But mm-hmm. but with but I also think about Cameron Payne and how he I was know. dismal in OKC despite his dance with Russ, and then he was abysmal in Chicago, whatever it was. And then now, like <laughs> He's doing well in the playoffs, getting thrown out of playoff games, but still playing well. Like he's playing actually really NBA, well. actually NBA player season. again. Yeah. He's playing so pretty like good Jake, last season. Jake also. can uh, wear his campaign shirt. I bought him like several there you years go. ago. I wear it all the time. Yeah, um, that's a great shirt. I for me, and I know we're getting way down a rabbit hole here, but for me, I feel like, and you guys tell me if you have different opinions in this. I I, I don't have anything to back this up, but to me, it feels like it that was less of a knock against the thunder developing a guy like campaign and that campaign personally just needed to have that journey to find himself and, and build himself back up to get to where he is today. Right. Like I I feel like that journey is part of campaigns arc to get where he is. It's not like a, it wasn't like a whiff on thunder player development and culture and team building. Got the wrong player for Murray state. The wrong one. I think, I think the the biggest thing with him and it kind of goes back to confidence, but when you're selected, where he was in the draft. Um, I think there's an expectation that he was going to be like this, like kind of, you know, bench score slash high level starter. And that's just not what his ceiling is. Now that he's bounced around, he's in Phoenix as like that role player coming off the bench, you know, give him a bench spark. And that's all that he's expected to do. I think he settles into the role a little bit better. If that would have been his role in Oklahoma city and there was no higher expectations, I think the whole perception changes. Yeah, maybe the same same type of argument could be made for Jeremy Lamb as well. Jeremy Lamb's a good one too. Now, yeah. one guy that wasn't drafted by Presti, but if we're talking about culture, I mean, we just got to throw out DeAndre Liggins. Don't need to go into details, but we'll just, you know, throw his name out there. <laughs> Lord. So, Comrade, do you really think Josh Eustis is the absolute worst worst pick Sam Presti's ever made? Oh, I don't think he's the absolute worst pick because he he was functional in some in some places. Like I think Cole Aldridge was really shitty. Um yeah. so Cole Aldridge is another that was, one. That was a That's whiff. A really good one. That sure. dude that dude had a like, he was picked very high and he had a missing tooth and he they said you want to fix it and he said nah gee I want to look like a <laughs> He looked player. so good at Kansas though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you look good in the Big 12. Big man putting up one in the Big yeah. 12. A tradition like no none none of <laughs> All right, Taylor, hit us with the the next thing that you learned from the Thunder season. So my, oh, I I mentioned Coach Dagnall, uh, but just like one other big thing I think that really stuck with me was how he. I mentioned his player relationships, but just how he resonated with the players, uh, both the young players, even the vets. But like two specific examples, and I think Nick probably will have some more specific ones throughout the season that he remembers. But the two that recently stuck out to me that I took a screenshot of, of um, was Shay. He said, I think that speaks to the character we have in our locker room and our building. Coach said it at the start of the year. The leader is the guy doing the right thing in the moment. It's not the best player. Obviously, directly quoting coach. Then he had another quote, 
which he didn't say came from coach, but you know it came from Dignall. Life is about up and downs. Seasons are about up and downs. You've got to keep your core values. That's like straight out of Presti's mouth, straight out of Dignall's mouth to the players. It's just things like that. And we saw that throughout the season. You know, everybody talked about coach. I think the biggest example is, um, you know, like after uh, getting blown out in a game, you know, starting 0-0 the next game. So um, I, I, I think Dignall's impact on the players is one that really stuck out to me and, and something that I'm interested to continue to watch moving forward, kind of like Nick mentioned. Um, is he the right player for the playoffs? Or sorry, the right coach for the playoffs? Like, we'll see. But um, I'm really impressed with Dignall in his first season. I'm really curious to continue to watch him grow with this team. Yeah, uh, I think they're taking the same approach with the coach as they are with players, right? Which is this idea of progress, development, and give people a runway to uh, to see what they can achieve. So um, my last one for things that I learned from this season, the Thunder are going to go about this the right way. That's the big takeaway I had, especially from uh, Presti's exit interview. I'm, again, Nick, we keep coming back to you because you're the one that that has the privilege of getting the Zoom the Zoom uh, meeting link for for these exit interviews. Presti talked a lot about just the idea of how a rebuild should work. He talked about uh, I, the way that guy talks is like you have to have a certain IQ to be able to keep up with him, or you're just going to be an hour and locked. a half with the yeah, like, genius. But he he <laughs> said he talked about like timing and said that if, if your driving force behind uh, your goals is time, you're going to basically, you're going to cut yourself short and you're not going to be able to see things to fruition. Um, and so, you know, that was interesting to me. They're going to give guys opportunities. They're going to give them chances to grow. Uh, yada, 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 just everything that you want to hear from, especially a small market GM on how they're going to build a lasting contender, you know, Taylor already mentioned the the quote, but when we want we move the next time we make the playoffs, we want it to be an arrival, not an appearance, right? He's got these core values in place, and it seems like they aren't wavering on how they're going to go about their business. And that's what he says publicly. You know, we'll see what happens with this lottery. And the what do you draft. think his text messages look like? Oh God, do you think they're like really <laughs> casual, like every every one of us, or do you think they're like actually? You have to break out a legit thesaurus, and he's he's email only. Texts are too casual. Probably. <laughs> oh, that's weird. That's gross. It's probably just, just his wife. Like Sam, you slept at the office for three straight nights. Are you coming home? <laughs> but he's so articulate and calculated. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's. I know I'm biased, but I mean, I can't imagine having a a better general manager for a rebuild of a small market. I think he's he's going to go about it the exact right way you want him to. And I think it's equally as important that he has a front office <laughs> that does, or not a front office, but an ownership group that supports him uh, and, and his decision-making and lets him handle the basketball side of things. So basically, if you're listening and you didn't get to listen to Sam Presti, if you listen to Sam Presti but didn't understand him what he was saying because he had as a very high – uh, lexic a very high like measure of lexicon. He basically says this rebuild is going to take more than one year. You should be patient, or you'll end up like somebody like I don't know, like the don't Kings, know, the Kings, the, the Kangs. Maybe even maybe even the Hawks that we talked about this year. Maybe cutting your rebuild too short will cut your franchise's goals as long term. But who knows? Atlanta's a pretty 
enticing city uh, more than OKC is. The, yeah, the Kings, and then Presti's the opposite of the Kings, but the Kings are literally the definition of, you know that meme of like the flex seal where it's like <laughs> leaking out and they just slap it on? That's the Kings. <laughs> Presti is the opposite. A bandit on a gunshot wound. <laughs> uh, Nick, I need you to go to Meme Maker right now and make that meme. What's the... Uh, yeah, so so the flex seal guy is the king's front office and slapping the flex Marvin seal. Marvin Bagley. Is, is <laughs> well, he's not there anymore. But. Or, or shitty free agency signing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, that's that's pretty spot Rudy on. Rudy Gay passes like prime. <laughs> <laughs> give him all the money. <laughs> uh, giving Rajon Rondo $15 million a year. Slap. Yep. Uh, I love it. I can't believe uh, none of you guys mentioned Poku. I won't like dive into this one, but one that I had here was that Poku could be the second or third best player on this team by the time the Thunder are contending for championships again. Why are you selling my man short? <laughs> yeah, sell him long. Poku like will be the best. <laughs> What's he going to do back home besides train to play basketball? It looks besides like, like being worshipped straight out the Soviet bloc. Around Serbia. Do you guys see that? Those videos of him? Like, yeah. He has like a mural. Yeah. He literally is like if he stretches his arms out, he literally is the Iron Curtain. He didn't tell you about that in history. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, no, I have I have really high hopes for him. Um, any other big things that you guys learned from this season before we move on? It's gonna be a long ride. I have I have yep. one more that's kind of hot take ish. Are you gonna say it? We wait for the sounder. Yeah, or are you I'm gonna not, say it? No, I'm not yeah. gonna play the sounder. I'm just okay. waiting. I'm just, it's <laughs> called dramatic <laughs> effect. What is that? It's called building suspense. Guys. This is this is Sunday. Maybe he I'm froze. Like, call me right I'm ready to go. This <laughs> goes against a lot of stuff I've said this season. I still stand by what I what I've said this season as far as the draft is concerned. But this season has taught me that. You don't necessarily have to strike gold with the number pick you have in order to get a franchise changing player. Shea Gilgis Alexander at number 12, uh, being the chief, chief example. But I mean, we look at what Devin Booker did this year and what he did today against the Lakers in the playoffs at pick 13. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the, the odds still heavily favor you need a top five pick to get a franchise changing player. But you already have Shea, which I think can be a franchise-changing player. What if Poku becomes a, maybe not a franchise-changing player, but uh, what what's a little bit less than a change? An alter? Um, a a tweak? <laughs> a catalyst. A catalyst? Borderline so all-star. <laughs> if the Thunder miss out on a top-five pick this year, am I going to be upset? Yes. But looking long-term, it might not be like, this catastrophic thing that I think a lot of us have made it out to be. Yep. I think it's more about fit of the, the man that they draft fit of the organization. Um, and, and the type of person that they draft, that's going to determine the, the ceiling of the players they get uh, via the draft. With that being said, God damn it. Go get a top five pick <laughs> or two. Yes. Or two. That's right. God, I'd love dude. to see but, the Houston Rockets fandom meltdown if if they fell out of dude, the top four. We're, we're going to do a podcast in the future on this, okay? But if that Houston pick does not go to Houston and lands at five and conveys oh to OKC, gosh. how bad does that screw over the Houston franchise? And at that point, yeah, and at that point, 
how valuable do those future Houston picks become? Extremely. I mean, I think they're at their highest value point ever on lottery night this year if that Houston selection comes up at number five. Not to give them props, but I do think Kevin Porter Jr. was a great pickup for them. And if they didn't do that pickup, holy cow, would they be extra behind? Yeah. No, I, I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, we've been talking about culture a lot so far this this show. That makes me a little worried. Like Kevin Porter Jr. is currently learning from John Wall and a Houston front office that's brand new and kind of in shambles, especially after Harden left. Like, I'm not saying that he's not going to pan out. I'm just saying it's not the ideal situation, right? Same thing like it was with the, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. If he was in San Antonio, I feel like I would have uh, much more confidence in not only the basketball, but the non-basketball stuff working out for KPJ. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Taylor, take us on a trip through the comments. I know we got some good ones. We do. So we'll start from the bottom because here's a really good one from uh, Marcus Kruger. Since Sam Presti is obsessed with creating the modern Yugoslavian national team, <laughs> should we just expect Philippe Petrusev to be picked with one of Thunder's early second round picks? Is that a real person? Because I don't think it is. <laughs> do you all see that? Yurt 7 got Yurt signed. He did. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> he did. Yes. Uh, who picked him up? Eat the heat. There you go. The heat culture. Um, Philippe Petrusev is a real person. He's oh, 6'11, wow. 235 pound, 21 year old that plays for KK Mega Soccer Bet. He's a all those, <laughs> plays for uh, what? Say that again. Please say K that again. KK Mega Soccer Bet. <laughs> Why did we not have Taylor? Say the name and the KK place where he plays. Mega. He went. He went to Gonzaga for a couple years before oh. going and playing over there. Interesting. Weird. Hey, speaking huh. of foreign players, did you hear the way Presti um, pronounced? Uh, well, if I pronounce it now, that's going to give it away. But pronounce mm -hmm. the Thunder's second round pick from this past year that didn't play his first name. Uh -uh. V, -I v I T. How do you pronounce that? Vit. Yeah, he pronounces it. Pronounces it. Vit. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought it was Vit. Hmm. I'm just yeah. an idiot American. Actually, now that you say that, whenever he said that on the call, I was like, oh, it makes sense. Because <laughs> they were talking about, they were talking about guys that, um, like building it, it. I think it was around the comment of, of they fully embraced the fact that they're a draft and develop or, or a, you know, kind of pick up young talent develop type team. And he mentioned Vit. And I was like, for a second, I was like, did he have a, a miss a mispronunciation? And I was like, oh, he's talking about Vit, but I guess it's yeah. Vit. Makes sense. Well, he also pronounced uh, Abrinus Abrinish for a long time as well. <laughs> so. I never heard that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He did it. Taylor, I like take it. Keep, keep us through the comments, Taylor. So we've got uh, Nate Sanders. Is the coin flip on Tuesday going to be televised? Unfortunately, it will not. But I thought this was an interesting question just because we haven't mentioned that. This Tuesday is a very important coin flip for the Thunder um, for basically basically to split the rights between the Cavs and the Thunder, right? Yeah. So and what's Nick, the accountability? Uh, I think they let media in. I didn't get an invite. Fake news. <laughs> Like, reminds, me, reminds me of the movie Friday Night Lights with Billy Bob Thornton when they go to the playoffs and they go flip a coin who gets in the playoffs. That's like such a shoddy way to do it. Uh -huh. But I mean, like it's it, it's the same argument. Teams get the same amount of like 
freaking uh, lottery, lottery balls. Yes, and the so. coin flip will actually decide uh, if they're af- the leftover ping pong balls. There's an odd number who gets uh, the mm. extra. And then the big thing the coin flip does, uh, and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong here, is if both Cleveland and Oklahoma City don't jump into the top four, because the top four are determined by the ping pong balls. After that, it's by record. Oklahoma City and Cleveland would be tied, so the coin flip will determine who gets the better pick. Let's say they both slide down and they're now tied at six. It would determine who gets six, who gets seven. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing is the floor like eight versus nine being the worst possible pick you could have. Yes. Yes. Very, at least, very at least the way I think of it, that that's, I think that makes the biggest impact. Definitely. Also speaking of the accountability on the coin flip, they do the same thing with the lottery, right? Like they, they, they do the lottery balls in a, in a locked room. I do think yeah. they allow uh media back there, but they, like, they take your phone and everything. Yeah. So you can't like, yeah, it's rigged. It's conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I mean, but no, but it's weird because a couple of years ago or last year, no, two years ago when the Mavs got Luca, or no, it was when the Pelicans got Zion. They actually had a, sh- a show on ESPN for all these tiebreakers and they had literal balls bouncing around and they were drawing them out. Like, and that's how they did the tiebreaker. That's why I was confused this year why they're doing this non televised clip. Yeah. What's, what was the, uh, the Knicks conspiracy that like, they made one of the ping pong balls cold, so they knew it was frozen the frozen envelope. Ball. Oh, the frozen envelope. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah the whole frozen envelope thing is basically there's, that was before. There's the ping like pong it's balls, like QAnon so. on for NBA, basically. Yeah, stop the count. Stern used to just stop yeah. the count. <laughs> stop the count. <laughs> so silver, our guy silver asked at any, and this is something we'll probably get into more detail in um, on a future podcast. So maybe just fire off one one of your main ones. Um, but any bold hot takes or projections for this offseason? The Thunder for, I was going to ask Press to this, but I didn't know if it was like one of those loaded questions that you get in trouble for. Um, <laughs> they've never really been big in the restricted free agent market. And I think this is one of the most enticing restricted free agency markets just because there's actually young guys. Usually it's like older guys that are Good wanting point. a huge deal. Um, just kind of his philosophy on that. So they've never done it before and, and kind of how they're going to approach that. It's, that's hard to answer that giving something away. So I didn't ask it, but I, I'm, I think that this could be the first year they dabble with it, whether it's Lonzo or Lowry Markinen or whoever, I think, uh, with the amount of money they have, that'd be a smart way to spend it. I was going to say the, the, yeah, the, the cap space they have. And then also, um, if they land one of those trap, those top draft picks, I think that's, that's fascinating. Well, one of my bold and hot takes for next year is that, and I talked about this to you guys in Slack the other day, if the team remains healthy um, into next year throughout the season, and of course, maybe they get pick, maybe it doesn't have to be a top five pick, but maybe like six and 18, that if they stay healthy and if they progress at the rate in which they have this entire year, they may be fighting for a play-in game, which I think is maybe possible. I think that's fair. I don't even think that's hot. I think that's like kind of lukewarm. I like lukewarm things. Hey, that depends what it is. <laughs> Popsicle? Popsicle? I'm out. Yeah, not soup. Yeah. Uh, Nick, I'll add on to yours. I, I do not think they'll, they'll be very active in, in restricted free agency uh, just because that's kind of what history tells us. But 
Uh, I, I will dive down that rabbit hole with you and I'll add to, to your hot take that they'll be active in restricted free agency. They're going to sign a guy with the last name Collins to an offer sheet. Interesting. Not, not John though. That's spicy. Not John though. Not John Collins. Spicy. Not John. <laughs> He's your, your favorite. Do you know, Collins. You know what, which uh, Collins we're talking about? Zach Collins. Zach Collins will be a free agent this summer. <laughs> Man, we're trying to, are you really trying to make this Dallas Mavericks North with the amount of players <laughs> that are on the court? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the Utah Jazz, baby. Gross. No, um, I, I could see them throwing an offer at, at Zach Collins from Portland. I'm not a big Zach Collins fan. Not either. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to be right now because you haven't watched him play in a freaking eighteen. Years. I wasn't a fan <laughs> when he was playing not with the Blazers. I, uh, yeah. I, I I'm gonna Google this while I'm asking the question because I actually don't know the answer. Do <laughs> you think he's played more or less than 140 NBA games? Less. Less. I, yeah, I was gonna say less. I already have his basketball reference page pulled up. You said 140. Mm-hmm. Oh God, uh, 154. Oh, that was a good number. That was, that a, good was number. a good number. Jeez. We were wrong. What do you think? What do you guys think Poku's ceiling is like logistically? God. Uh, well, so if you ask, if you ask Presti or Dagnalt, they say we don't like putting ceilings on our players because they always <laughs> exceed them. We I'm don't gonna, want to cap I'm them gonna off. I'm going to clip that and email at the Thunder PR, Nick. Like, do you think, <laughs> do you think he ends up? impersonation and everything. <laughs> do you think he ends up like as a role player or somebody that could be like, I don't think he will never be a Dirk, but like somebody kind of like Andre Kirilenko, right. it's super long that can handle a little bit and shoot from outside. I think his floor now is role player. I think he's a unicorn. Like, I don't think I there's another, there's yeah. another like him, honestly. I mean, what does, what, what does an extra 20 pound of muscle look like on him? You won't, it won't really Poor see Zingas. much. Yeah. For me, though, it's another 20 20 pounds of muscle literally makes him look like Porzingis. I think, I think he's a playmaking Porzingis. The the, the difference, though, is like he's not not as polished as most of those elite seven footers that can stretch the floor. But I think his ball handling ability better than Porzingis. And I think his his shooting, his shooting stroke is so damn quick. Like, even Mm -hmm. like Joel Embiid and some of these bigs that can shoot the three at a high clip their shot is so slow. Poku literally is, he can like pull up and flick his wrist. I think that it's, it's absurd. The and how many always, of those guys can be the ball handler in a pick and roll? Right. It's right. And I think about him driving to the rim. Like you don't see bigs doing that. He's not really a big, which is something that I always come back to. This is before the thunder even were like linked to Poku. He was He's just a like a prospect on the radar. Right. And I think it was Jonathan Jarks of the uh, ringer um, who, who mentioned him being like a seven foot, awkward clay thompson <laughs> because he does if it. you watch him off the ball it's just absolutely i mean he, he's constantly moving um he he's there isn't really a a perfect player comparison for him i don't think who would you rather have and i know i'm taking i'm just like spending all the time in the world doing other questions would you rather have dylan brooks or lou dort in five years lou dort dort yeah, I don't like Brooks. I mean, wow, you don't like dort, dort, and it's not really that close. It's not. Yeah, it's really? not close at all. What do you yeah. what do you like about Dylan Brooks so much, Kamir? Because he's like he's a scorer, but he's twenty five years old. I don't know. He's twenty five. Well, that changes things a little bit, doesn't it? Sure, I it is. A lot older. Did he spend yeah. all four years at Oregon. I think he did. Jeez. But but even then, like I again, it's it's the whole empty stats thing. Um, and I know he's playing on a team that's actually in the playoffs, and he's not like the Lou Dort role. But they averaged actually. 
probably three points different this year in, in, in the scoring department. I mean. All right, Taylor, hit us with one more chat question. Last one we have here is actually a trivia question from uh, somebody else who asked uh, a question earlier um, in the chat. Marcus Kruger, NBA trivia. One team in the Eastern Conference playoff bracket currently this season has never won the NBA championship. Which team is it? I probably should look this up. <laughs> <laughs> I think the three of us can Marcus this out skin. Quick. Is yeah. it wait, so he says a team that's made the playoffs? A team that's in the playoffs right now. This season. But they've is never have the won the championship. Pacers? The Pacers aren't in the playoffs this year. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were including the play in. Okay. So like legit playoffs. One through eight yeah. seed. One through so eight. So it's not Miami. It's not Atlanta. Not Boston. <laughs> is it <sighs> Is it Brooklyn? Brooklyn. 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 Probably Brooklyn. Brooklyn slash New Brooklyn. Jersey. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I had one other guess. Um, it's got to be Brooklyn. Because I can think of all the other teams are pretty historic. And then, of course, you got the Wiz, which would be the Bullets at some point. Uh-huh. Right. right. It's got to be Brooklyn. Now we anxiously await Marcus to drop the answer. Marcus the went to bed. He said, <laughs> screw y'all. <laughs> While we wait, it is wait, Brooklyn. Look at that. We did it. Nice, man. Good job. Teamwork uh, makes the dream work. 1968, the year before we went to the moon. I also don't think the Pacers have, so my answer was almost right. Nice. Well, Pacers won ABA, not uh, NBA, right? Well, the question was NBA, wasn't it? Yeah. But I actually I don't know. I don't hey, know the speak, answer. Speaking of the Pacers, real quick, and we mentioned Boston, I have to tell this story because it. I, I read it somewhere again today. Uh, my favorite trash talking story of all time. Um, you guys maybe have read this. I'll, I'll find the story on Twitter and I'll link it on the uncontested page. But have you guys heard the one? It's um, Larry Bird. And there was somebody from the Pacers that Larry Bird beefed with constantly. And this is in an era, obviously, before the internet. So in a print article in the local newspaper, they did an interview with Bird. Uh, because the Celtics and Indiana were supposed to play a Christmas day game against each other. And whoever this guy was on Indiana, I can't remember his name now. Larry Bird said, um, I'm bringing him a Christmas gift for our Christmas day game. And in the middle of the game, Larry Bird was on the court. The guy that he had beef with was on the bench. Bird caught a pass in the at the corner for the three-point line right in front of the Indiana bench, pulled up for three as soon as it came off of his hands, didn't even wait for the ball to go in. He just turned around, looked at the Indiana bench, and said, Merry fucking Christmas, as the ball splashed through the, the hoop as he ran back down. He's on a goat. He's uh, my favorite trash-talking story I've ever heard, ever. It's incredible because he's a redneck that's incredibly <laughs> good at basketball. This man on Brady Manning. LeBarn James. It's disgusting. But Curry like, Bird. But... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> this man... When he's not just giving you buckets on on the court, is drinking like twenty Budweisers with a <laughs> mullet hanging out and watching NASCAR. I love that fact about Larry Bird. Like he has one of the purest shots in like the NBA, and but in his spare time, his man's drinking Budweiser and just like all I'm a firm believer. Bullshit. Larry Bird would cook in the modern NBA. Put him at stretch four, that man would eat. I'm here for it. All right, let's take a trip around the association, gentlemen. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. Gentlemen, as we mentioned at the top of the show, playoffs are live. Very little stress for Thunder fans, which is very nice. I, I enjoy it a lot. But as we are currently recording this, the last game one is being played. Uh, Memphis is actually up on Utah, 58 to 55, halfway through the third quarter. Of all the, the game ones, game. <laughs> of all the game ones over the weekend, let's let's exclude the play-in, uh, which that Memphis Golden State game was incredible. Uh, shout out to Draymond Green for missing a floater by five feet for the game. Um, nothing brings me more joy than watching Draymond Green airball a floater. What has been the most entertaining game one for you all over the weekend? The one we Miami. just watched. Whoa, oh. really? You said oh, Miami. Miami? Yes, I think the Miami um, uh, Milwaukee game. 100%. That one was like watching a train wreck. I hated that one so much. <laughs> I loved it. Tommy, I loved what did it. you say? Because I was thinking, please, God, don't go into a second overtime. This is going to be the worst. I was going to say <laughs> the one we just watched between New York and Atlanta. They, they were going back and forth. Everybody in, in uh, the, the garden was going nuts. It was a great game. It was a good atmosphere. Spike Lee had the camera on him like the entire time. It was fun times. Nick, do you have a favorite game one? Most inter- Not favorite, most entertaining. Um... I think the Clippers Mav game is honestly pretty fun. Mm. There was a lot of a lot of back and forth um oh, poster dunks, the poster people dunk, getting onto yeah, each the, other. The like picture, it was yeah. 
It was a rest lot of fun. in peace, Maxi Kleba. Yes, that or even, was, even Portland good Denver today, was though. good too. I didn't yeah. get to watch Portland Denver. They they mean. said they said Jokic go ahead and we're gonna shut down every other player on your entire team. Yep. And it worked. Mel- Melo had a really really good first half and they booed him every time he touched the ball, yes. which I thought was petty. But <laughs> if, they came out with a dub. So. Yeah. If Denver had like one healthy guard, man, it would help them out so much. Uh, I don't know. Phoenix LA was a lot of fun. That was a fun game. Uh, weird I, worried about Chris Paul. A little, yeah. Um, I didn't get to watch Wizards Sixers, but a lot of really fun game ones. Uh, I'm excited to see how this first round plays out because it's there's a lot of really fun, really good matchups. I don't feel like oh yeah there's there's a specific one that really sticks out as like this is going to be a blowout. Maybe Brooklyn Boston. I don't think I just don't think even Boston though that one started out like a non blowout. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah True. definitely. True. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the the beginning of the playoffs, and now. For the rest of the week, we got playoff basketball every night, guys. I it's love it. Good stuff. Who, I got a, I got a question for the team. Who who that lost their opening game is most likely going to win the series? Oh, the Lakers, one hundred percent. I I want. I, I'm rooting for Chris Paul, but they've done this multiple times, especially last year in the bubble, which is completely different. Um, also, the what was it the uh, Gosh, not LA. Um, AD, A Disney, and uh, the La Mickey nicknames that were trending after Jeez. today's game was just phenomenal. Hilarious. But Lakers are going to win that series because it's LeBron, and I cannot bet against LeBron. No I doubt. don't know. Both LA teams are good candidates. The Knicks are good candidates. That's what I'm saying. Like these first round Knicks series are going to be very one, competitive. Yep. yep. Gosh, that Trey Young shot was. I think Dallas sick. is going to beat the Clippers like they should have done last year before Kristaps got ang- I know. Uh, angry. I, well, I, angry I injured for it very much. Which result from the first round or from, from game ones of the first round is the most surprising for you guys? We did most entertaining. Which one was the most surprising? Portland, Denver to me. Yeah, that's a good one. I would agree. That's a good one. I think that's a good answer. I might go the Dallas one as well. That's, even though I, I, want, gonna, yeah. I desperately want Dallas to win that series um, to go and get game one. I oh, Can I rant for a second? <laughs> the Just announcers second. on that Dallas Clippers game said, I'm not going to get the, the exact quote right, but basically said, well, the Clippers really wanted to make sure their players were healthy. They didn't care about if they got the third seed or the fourth seed. They sat some guys down the stretch just to make sure everyone was healthy and good uh, so they could get in the playoffs. Miss me with that bullshit, man. They mm. dodged the Lakers, and everybody in the freaking world knows that that's what they were doing. Which Don't make it tell me they were trying to get guys healthy. If they, Luka. if they were trying to get guys healthy, they still would have ran offense and not given Daniel or Turu 25 straight isos. Get that shit out of here. Exactly. Makes me so mad. I'm not exactly. bad. I promise. Is that what grinds your gears? That grinds my gears. That's, what, <laughs> that's why what? I'm having nightmares right now about stress is because the goddamn Los Angeles Clippers. Man, you're so stressed out. <laughs> the the, the team, your favorite team's not even playing anymore. Just relax. I, don't know. I need to speaking of go. speaking of uh future picks being at the highest value they've ever been, PG and Kawhi leave. I think those might be more valuable than the well, Rockets picks. PG has that contract now. He, I guess he could get traded. True. I mean, if, if Kawhi leaves, oh. you think PG wants to stick around? 
Well, or does it even matter that much to, because but it's PG? If we're being maybe honest. the Clippers say we got to write it out another year or something. But oh, God, how beautiful is, PG is it like be? the most talented? What if superstar? I mean, it's too early to say that because we haven't seen how his career is going to end. But if he continues if, on this trajectory and doesn't win a ring and just continues to flame out in the playoffs, are you no. describing PG or Russ? <laughs> oh, 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 or CP3 also. Hey, you got to be honest here. Yeah. Like, or CP3 also. Very. I mean, at least Russ delivered in the playoffs, so that's one thing. Uh, PG, he's got pandemic P and way off P nicknames for reasons. Again, that, and that's a little too early of a take because PG's, I know he's going to come out in game two and just scorch the earth and they're going to get the dub, but Kawhi's a series. If they lose this series and Kawhi leaves for Miami, it's hilarious. Chef's kiss. God, Love it. fans, because we All right. get those picks. We're gonna do rapid fire round here to close us out, guys, because we never officially we never officially made playoff predictions. Um, we're gonna make playoff predictions now, one game into each series, uh, because F it, we're gonna do it live. Um, let's start in the east. Philly, Washington. Who wins in how many games? Philly and six. Philly five. I was gonna say Philly five. All right, I will go Philly five as well. Knicks, Atlanta. Atlanta currently has a 1 0 lead. Hawks and seven. Knicks and seven. Knicks and seven. Knicks and six. Ooh, that's fun. Milwaukee, Miami. Milwaukee and seven. Bucks and six. Bucks and seven. Bucks and five. Oh, they're winning four blood. straight. No put way. My blood. No Jesus. way. You're let's put, let's put something on that partner. What? No, I said bucks and five. They've already, they're already up one. That just means they got still, three out of the next. No course. way. No way. <laughs> let's bet a pizza down. Okay. <laughs> Better not be that little Caesars bull crap. <laughs> $4 box. <laughs> I don't want a hot and ready. That's been out all day. <laughs> hot, and, hot and been ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new slogan. You want to talk about shit that's lukewarm? <laughs> <laughs> they came out with a damn crustless pizza. Like, who, the fu- who, the fu- who wants pizza that didn't have crust? <laughs> oh, apparently, they all we had to talk about pizza to get Nick triggered. Brooklyn, Boston. Uh, Brooklyn and sweep five. You guys both going five? I'm going sweep. Boston sucks. <laughs> They lost Oklahoma City and Cleveland. (laughs) They did. Phoenix, Lakers. Lakers and seven. I got back to what I said earlier. Lakers and six. Oh, God. You got to win four to the next five. Phoenix and seven. Phoenix and six. No. Taylor, you said Lakers and six? Or did you say Lakers and seven? Seven. Me and you are going to bet too. The next time we go out <laughs> to watch a game for the second round, you got Lakers, I got Phoenix. Whoever I'll buy you waffle buys. champion or you'll buy yeah. me waffle champion. There you we go. Waffle. I'm into it. Boom. I'm into it. Denver, Portland. Ooh, this is a fun one. This is the most challenging one for me. It is the most challenging one. Give me, I, I, I've been very like by the book. I feel like for the, all these, not, none, none of my takes have been hot. So let's go uh, Portland and six. Denver and six. Do it, do it. I can see it in your eye. Do it. <laughs> Portland and seven. Seven. Okay. Seven. 
<laughs> you thought he was gonna, you were gonna go five. <laughs> no, no, not that confident. Go, I don't like that either. I'm gonna go Denver. Denver six. Denver six. Okay, I can see that. Clippers, mm-hmm. Dallas. Oh, uh, this is a same. This is this, like is, this is a really bad play. heart head one. Dallas like, and six, please God. Oh God, I love it. <laughs> I know. Put it straight in my veins. I say Clippers and seven, but I don't think that second round is going to be generous to them. Clippers and six because Porzingis can't stay healthy. I'm going Dallas seven. Dallas seven. Dallas seven. Boom. Utah, Memphis, which is currently uh, the Grizz are up eight in the later stages of the third quarter. Utah Sweep. five. I was going to Utah five. Utah on five. Nick is taking a sweep for the Grizzlies. For, for <laughs> the Grizzlies. <laughs> not even going to talk. <laughs> Give me Utah on six. Grizzlies will get tonight. Grizzlies I think I'll take. I think I'll take Utah six as well. The Donovan Mitchell stuff is mildly concerning. It is mildly is a good way to put it. Like I think he'll play game two, but he won't be one hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I got two bets on the line here. <laughs> I really. Like, both like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna set the guideline here. I want Hall's Pizza Kitchen next time I'm on town. <laughs> All right. I haven't even heard of Halls. Touche. Touche. We'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. You went Alfredo's Pizza Cafe or a, a Pizza by Alfredo? CC's. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a long... I've Welcome to CC's. Get some chocolate pizza. God, that chocolate pizza I've been, so I've been a handful. I've been a handful of times in the last six months. God. <laughs> if you eat at CC's, you don't need the COVID vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey guys thank you so much for checking out our podcast if you join the live stream we appreciate you thanks so much for hopping in and chatting along if you listen to the podcast version of this thanks go drop a five star rating while you're at it we mean a ton to us we're gonna have locker room shows locker room hangouts both Monday Wednesday and Friday I said both and then listed three things because I don't understand the English language Monday Wednesday Friday for locker room Wednesday night will be player grades power forwards also Tuesday probably going to be dropping a little special podcast episode so be on the lookout for that as well enjoy the playoffs we'll be back nick will be with you monday night on locker room just hanging out talking doing whatever late night late night oh that sounds kind of erotic i'm into it (laughs) uncontested after dark dark. (laughs) uncontested after dark on locker room so make sure you go download the locker room app we'll talk with you monday night then join us on locker room wednesday as we grade the power forwards of the Oklahoma City Thunder for this past season. We will talk to you soon. And as always, Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.